Very good morning. It is uh, Money Talk with James Ross. Please welcome uh, to the show our regular on a uh, Thursday, uh, Enzio von Fahl, Capital Preservation Specialist. Good morning, Enzio. Good morning, James. Uh, nice to have you on. And let's say also good morning to Trin Nguyen, a Senior Economist for Emerging Asia at Natixis. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Trin. Let's start with this inflation data um, from the, the US. Um, any surprises there, would you say? Um, well, generally, its, it's view is quite positive. Headline inflation came in a bit lower than expectations. It came to 4.9% year on year. Uh, as we already know that uh, fuel prices have gone down and so food as well. Um, what's key is that core CPI remained quite sticky at 5.5%, uh, but it is the smallest deceleration. The positive news that people see from this was that the key reason why um, core is still very sticky at 5.5% is rent. And we know that rent is actually quite lagging because rental contracts last a year or two. So even if market rent has gone down, you're not going to see it reflect in the CPI basket, which we should see shelter inflation falling in the second half. And if global demand is as weak as we see today, uh, which is you're seeing weakening demand across the world, um, even in China, where it's supposed to be bouncing with a vengeance, then in the second half, we should see further deceleration of CPI. And the good news is that A, cycle, tightening cycle is over, and we may even have cuts at the end of the year. Enzio, would you agree with that? Um, or are you seeing interest rates uh, f- uh, further rising, do you think? Well, I agree with Trin's analysis, but not necessarily with the conclusions. The reason that I respectfully differ is because this mouthful that the Fed really follows is, is not the core CPI, as we all know. It's actually the, let me just hold on your seatbelts, core personal consumption expenditure price index that's the one that they follow that's at 4.6 percent present and that's actually 2.3 times running as 2.3 times as fast as that two percent target that the fed has always had for this particular mouthful rate so i think it's actually good they're going to these rates are going to stay sticky for some time because the supply side inflation is not really going down that much except for oil, what Trin was saying. Um, but certainly labor, there, there is still tightness because people don't want to work. The weather, food prices high because of El Nino, La Nina out in Argentina. Things like this will keep those supply prices high. And I'm afraid that's what's going to lead to probably a, a Fed funds of 55 5.75% by the end of the day. Trin, there does seem to be some level of uncertainty amongst uh, the the financial industry, but also amongst consumers in the U.S., right? Well, certainly. But I think if you were to read from an Asian perspective, at least this year, the delta, the change of Fed tightening is not going to be super aggressive. We're basically having the question of when the Fed will cut rather than when the Fed will hike more, right? So um, our house view is that they will keep it much, much stickier um, than market expectation, which is already starting to price in a little bit in July. I think that's a bit premature. And the key point to take here from Asia is that we already have very weak economic data. China uh, imports shows that it's contracted 7.9%, um, and it, its imports from the rest of the region have, have been very, very small, particularly from South Korea. Um, exports across the region are plummeting, particularly in South Korea, because it's 
it's, it's very, um, it's exposed to very cyclical sectors like semiconductor and consumer electronics. So when we have very weak economic growth in Asia, we need to respond to this cycle through um, at the very margin, holding um, uh, and hopefully easing of financial conditions rather than tightening. And the fact that the Fed and the fact that inflation ahead of the inflation data, the dollar rally a lot and Asian markets really plummeted, particularly if you saw what happened in, in HSI yesterday, is really this fear that if inflation actually came in much higher than expected or, or mm-hmm. much, um, you know, with, with, with the details really frightening, then we were going to have not only a very weak um, external demand condition, but also tightening of external conditions right. that will lead to uh, a lot of stress for Asia. And, and, and at the margin, I would view this as positive because mm. um, we're, we're actually at the beginning of the turn of the cycle. It's a question of when, and I think the turn of the cycle isn't going to happen until the second half. But mm. we're already in May, um, and, and so we're getting closer to it. Um, Enzio, in terms of the China imports, that's you know obviously something which we've all been watching very closely, particularly over the last few days. Um, would you echo what Trin's saying there? Well, I would. I would just put a, a framework around. I think the economic clock is telling me that generally Asia, particularly China, has an excess demand for money and an excess supply of goods, so they do need to, to ease monetarily. I would also add that on the China side, it's interesting that my old chestnut, the multinationals in China, are having a bit of a tough time. Their earnings have actually gone down quite considerably enough to actually depress the stock prices in Europe, particularly groups like Estee Lauder, Starbucks, Hilton, Finnair, and Col- Colgate Palmolive. And those have been hitting the, um, the, the share prices of these very successful MNCs out in Europe and, of course, also in the U.S. So that, that, that as a further nail in the coffin, the, the, the strong China demand growth, which Chen also agrees with, is not just not there. So just clarifying that, you mean that the those businesses that have um, business in China are affecting the, the stock prices elsewhere in the world because it's down? Because because their profits are simply not what they were supposed to. They're not up to stuff. They're not mm, what they're mm. supposed to be. That's it. Now, um, Twin, Chinese, China's CPI is coming out later this morning. What's going to be the impact there, would you say? Well, I think people already have rather subdued expectations given the data um, that has been underwhelming. So if you look at manufacturing data, it's been underwhelming. Yesterday, the import data was underwhelming. Exports, of course, were quite good, but it's really base effects of the details were actually quite not good. So people don't think it's sustainable if it's sustained by details. Um, such as uh, uh, um, just an improvement in oil and coal, um, as steel imports, uh, steel-related uh, products and copper are down, which basically is an indication uh, of Chinese demand, particularly in sectors like real estate and infrastructure building. So markets are already expecting a deceleration of CPI, which basically goes from not even a 1%, 0.73 this month to basically 0.3%, and, and, and deflation and the PPI will continue. And that means that they hope um, that there will be help either through fiscal policy or monetary policy to lift this very subdued environment where the reopening is kind of a K-shape, helping the luxury sector and helping some sectors, but the rest is quite subdued. And that's that's the hope that if we get a bad data, 
um, then it actually means there's, there's some silver lining, right? Uh, which is mm. basically the way people read a lot of bad data these days, particularly um, uh, out of the U.S. and hopeful that inflation will reflect that. And in mm. China, we have not only subdued demand data, we also will have subdued inflation data that will give space Right. Uh, for hope and hope springs eternal. <laughs> mm. uh, Enzio, what, you know what? What's your outlook for China? You know how are you seeing it in the next uh, a few months? You mean the economy or the inflation rate, James? Well, a little bit of both, really. <laughs> Sounds like an economist talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that on the inflation, it will remain subdued because I think that, as, as Trin was correctly saying, in my mind, the demand side is really wilting. Um, but on the growth side, I also think that the, China's kind of locked itself in because of the local government financing crisis that is pretty hefty, according to the Western press that at least I read. Um, and you've got, for instance, the local government financing vehicles having debts in the trillions of dollars, I believe something like $30 trillion or something of debt. So what I'm going at with this is that the Chinese room for fiscal stimuli is just very limited. Normally, when you have an economy that is slowing down where the economic time is bad, excess demand for money, excess supply of goods, that's normally when the government will kick in and start some fiscal Keynesian spending, but they don't really have the money to do that. So um, I think that's just something that we need to keep an eye out for. So my view is inflation is subdued, but also growth subdued for the next few quarters, if not longer. Let's turn back to the U.S. for a second just before we go, um, Enzio. You know, the, the debt ceiling, of course, is turning into a bit of a drama and a bit of a face-off between uh, President Biden and Kevin McCarthy and, uh, and other notables. Yeah. You know, how are you seeing that develop over the next few weeks? I think it's a Machiavellian game of chicken. And what I mean by that is, of course, Machiavelli was quite good at sort of knowing which strings to pull. And chicken is the old American thing that who's going to blink first. Mm. I Ultimately, there will be a, a last-minute compromise, but I do think that because the congressmen are, and the senators are so out of touch with markets because they're so focused on their local constituencies, having done Capitol Hill for years myself, that they, they're so out of touch with the reality of markets that they won't really care that markets are going to get in for some severe eruptions really from about the middle of this month, end of this month, clear through to August or so, until these things are finally put to bed. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess it's going to be an interesting uh, few weeks as we watch that story <laughs> <laughs> develop. Uh, Enzio von Feil uh, is a capital preservation specialist, and Trin Nguyen is senior economist for emerging markets at Natexas. Uh, thank you to both of you for joining.